Dear listeners, Sairam and greetings from Prashanti Nilayam. Welcome to our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion is on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 21st August 2014. Have a listen please. Welcome dear listeners to this week's episode of Afternoon Satsang. And if you are a regular follower of our program, you'll know that this week is our Ramkata Rasavahini where we talk about the beautiful and glorious stories of Lord Rama. Shri Raghavam Dasharatatmajamapramayam Sita Patim Dear listeners, I am Arvind from Team Radio Sai. I am joining Prem in today's afternoon satsang as always. And it is our privilege and pleasure today to proceed with the beautiful nectarous story of Lord Sri Rama. As always, we begin by offering our most humble salutations and pranams at the lotus feet of our dear Swami. And also our salutations to Lord Hanuman who is ever present whenever the glory of Rama is sung. Prem, I think the last satsang we discussed and enjoyed the beautiful redemption of the devotee Ahalya where a touch of the dust of Rama's feet transformed Ahalya who was inert and who had almost become rock-like and she got back her life because of the divine touch. Right. That is the point we had stopped in their journey towards the city of Mithila you know, where they're going to attend uh, the Yagnya there. And that is where this episode happens. And interestingly, you know, in many of the uh, 
Ramayana as we have read and we have even seen on the televised version of it. The description which is given is that they are going for the Swayamvara of Sita, which is not true if you look at Swami's version. Swami okay, is yes. clearly saying that they were invited to attend a yagna mm. and uh, the rest of it just happened incidentally. In fact, if we see the way Swami has written the Ramkatara Savahini, we realize that the Swayamvara comes actually as an afterthought. It is not at all in the plan of King Janaka as described the only plan is that we will be having a massive yagna for which Vishwamitra's presence is very vital and that is the reason why King Janaka would have also waited for Vishwamitra to finish his penance right. and his uh, yagnam that he had conducted which Rama and Lakshmana protected and at the conclusion of that he would have invited Vishwamitra to the yagna at Mithila. So finally Vishwamitra with his retinue which has been awestruck now this is the first time they are seeing a miracle unfold before their own eyes an apparently lifeless rock-like figurine comes alive bubbling with life and out of nowhere comes sage Gautama and the sage Gautama is like a legend you know among all the tapasvis and the ascetics right. he's a legend and such a legendary Gautama offers his prostrations and salutations to Rama this young boy this young prince this lad and this is amazing for the entire retinue to see you know as we pictureize this scene we often go back to those times when we got the opportunity to witness firsthand a miracle that Swami performed you know it might be as commonplace thing as Swami waving his hand and materializing vibhuti you know though i had heard so many times that swami materialized vibhuti rings chains from thin air the first time i saw it it was so mesmerizing because though you might imagine it it is a you different thing to for it, right? ha, to see it and witness it live and this is not only in my case prem in the earlier years when swami would you know walk he would materialize these rings and chains when he's walking amongst the devotees the later years swami many times has done these materializations by calling the devotee or the students up to the dais and then doing it and you could see any time swami waves his hand there is a complete 40 50 seconds of applause you know people are so thrilled and they are clapping many of the people who are seated there have come to swami because of miracles in their lives they know that nothing is impossible for swami there is nothing that he cannot do and materializing a chain a ring or vibhutis i mean the most tiniest speck of his glory and yet there is an excitement and there is a lot of applause because seeing it firsthand is an entire experience in itself. And that is what happened. Sage Vishwamitra's retinue that saw this miracle happen right before their eyes. It is akin to the resurrection, you know, like how people who witnessed Swami resurrecting Subama or Swami resurrecting Walter Cohen might have felt. It was almost similar to that because nobody expected that in quotes thing there to be actually a woman breathing and having life and in an apparently lifeless thing Rama injects life with a mere touch of the dust of his feet. The one difference between, you know, Swami materializing and though it fills us with so much surprise, having followed Swami's life, we kind of tend to expect that from Swami. Mm-hmm. You know, in a sense, uh, we spoke to one of the devotees who had his marriage performed in Swami's presence in, in the early 60s. Mm-hmm. When there was nothing here and you need anything, you need to make a huge list. And uh, I think we did read about a few marriages which Swami performed in the early Including Kasturi Kasturi's, uh, daughter. Kasturi's daughter. Yes. When Swami said you make a comprehensive list and give it to, uh, you know, Grihamabai. He will go and get it. So that was a time when you, you had to be absolutely thorough in your preparation. And this person was telling us that yet there was this thought in the back of our mind that if we miss out something, we can just go and ask Swami and Swami will give it to us. I think I've mentioned this before. Let me mention it again. 
it was the i think before the 80th birthday mm-hmm. you know swami was going to be welcomed into the hillview stadium in a mercedes car a new mercedes convertible and on the evening of 22nd there was the convocation drama which was held in the purnachandra auditorium after the drama as the sets were being cleared i was there because i was part of the drama mm-hmm. so because of one small error one of the speakers slipped from the top of the stack mm-hmm. and fell directly onto the back part of swami's mercedes this car okay the brand new one the brand new one which was yes. supposed to be unveiled for the birthday and as it crashed it broke the tail lamp into splinters you know it almost powdered the glass mm-hmm. and there was no way you could get a replacement it's not first of all that car was not at that time prevalent in india it had to be imported from somewhere even the replacement parts and the mercedes showroom or whatever that they contacted in bangalore said they didn't have well actually what happened finally for that day was painfully some of the students sat and they glued back the pieces of glass after which they put a tape on that and the car was extensively decorated with flowers so that it was covered up you know but that night i remember going back to the room and on the way i met my father and i told him that you know today something terrible has happened but this is only between mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. and i told him the whole thing he said simple why don't you just go and tell swami you know he will wave his hand and give you a mercedes convertible tail lamp mm-hmm. you know as you said that the other person said that during the wedding right. if anything is missed out we can just ask swami it is not that that attitude remained only in the 60s or 70s even i am speaking as far as 2005 also this was what my father felt you can just ask swami he'll give you a tail lamp you can fix it innumerable things you know even as you're saying this i think we can just go on and on with this you were saying that there's some difference however between right. uh, yeah that is the thing you know because you expect swami to do some things like this in fact i, I remember one of my uh, classmates was saying that a senior whom he met you know he was from hyderabad and uh, one swami had given him a chain okay and this boy when he had gone for boating in the Hussain Sagar in Hyderabad hmm. with his friends he apparently lost it and it, it fell into the lake okay and imagine months later he is coming to swami swami calls him for the interview and notices okay in quotes that his hmm. chain is missing and he says hey where is the chain i gave you and you know very hesitantly this boy says swami this is what happened it fell into the lake and the next moment swami waves his hand and gives him the very same chain and when i say the very same chain because there was still that wet mud stuck between the links oh swami said this is right from you know the base of that lake where you dropped it Hussain Sagar oh my god <laughs> In, in the sense you kind of expect this but with drama you know whenever he was doing all kinds of amazing things when he killed uh, Tataki and all that everybody thought okay maybe this is a blessed prince you know this is a prince who is very very valorous and the kind of stands above the rest but nobody expected that somebody would come and you know step on some yeah, woman bring, like this bring and resurrect her and say that this was something which was ordained many many years ago which proves that he is not just another individual who's come by his coming is an occasion is an event by itself it's a phenomenon and by itself you know that was the thing which was dawned on the people around when rama did that so the element of surprise was much grander yeah, much greater all through he was trying to play the role of you know i am just dashratha son and i am just the prince of ayodhya possibly because this was the first miracle right yes and because you know as we have discussed it before that was the, one of the reasons why he kept doing that was the boon which ravana had ravana said there should be no yaksha or you know demon deva, or a deva who should be able to kill me he said it should be only got to exclude a human being he right? forgot to exclude humans from the boon Thinking that they are puny after all, right. what can they do to me? And yes. So proceeding ahead, the retinue reaches Mithila in the evening mm-hmm. after the redemption of Ahalya at Gautam Rishi's hermitage, and uh, it's very interesting because the son of 
సేజ్ గౌతమ అండ్ అహల్య ఈజ్ యాక్చువల్లీ దిసెప్టర్ అట్ మిథిలా జస్ట్ యాజ్ వశిష్ఠా వాజ్ టు కింగ్ దశరథ సో వాజ్ సతానంద టు కింగ్ జనక బట్ వీ షెల్ కమ్ టు దట్ లేటర్ యాజ్ సూన్ యాజ్ దే అరైవ్డ్ దేర్ దే వెర్ లుకింగ్ అవుట్ ఫర్ అ ప్లేస్ వేర్ దే కెన్ యు నో స్ప్రెడ్ సమ్ షీట్ అండ్ జస్ట్ టేక్ అ లిటిల్ రెస్ట్ యు నో వన్ థింగ్ దట్ స్ట్రక్ మీ అమేజింగ్ ఇస్ ప్రేమ్ వీ ఆర్ డిస్కసింగ్ ద స్టోరీ బట్ వీ ఫర్గెట్ దట్ ఇన్ ద పాస్ట్ ఫ్యూ వీక్స్ దిస్ రెటిన్యూ హ్యాస్ ట్రావర్స్డ్ హండ్రెడ్స్ ఆఫ్ కిలోమీటర్స్ వాట్ అమేజింగ్ ఫిజికల్ ఫిట్నెస్ దే షుడ్ హ్యావ్ హ్యాడ్ సేజ్ విశ్వామిత్ర యు నో హీస్ ఆఫన్ డిపిక్టెడ్ యాజ్ వైట్ హెయిర్డ్ వైట్ బియర్డెడ్ వైట్ ముస్టాస్ట్ and we expect him to be a minimum of 70 80 years if not elder if not much more and a person of that age is comfortably walking across kingdoms uh, just resting in the night and walking it's like a marathon you know it's like what we do once a year possibly when we go for a pilgrimage to himalayas or some place once a year we prepare for it one month in advance so that every day we shall be able to walk 4 5 kilometers or 10 kilometers without getting tired and here they are naturally walking tens of kilometers on a daily basis without getting tired really fantastic physical stamina in very true it's literally cross country because they're going from one kingdom to the other and i think the amount of stories he's told itself shows yeah, see, that ayodhya is, is somewhere right. somewhere in central india almost little above central india and mithila if we see is almost like nepal so definitely a good 400 to 500 kilometers if not mm-hmm. more than that the distance that they have traveled in the past few weeks so 500 kilometers it's not a joke mm-hmm. really amazing so they are naturally tired when they reach there in the meanwhile king janaka from mithila has made so many arrangements you know the whole kingdom is abounding with courtiers and soldiers who are actually finding out gathering info that time there was no internet there was no computer login and the, check yeah, in uh, no, online check in <laughs> it was not their online check in and login so these people we finding out who had come they were maintaining a register and at the same time based on the status and position and the age they would accord them with proper hospitality and other things and that is how the courtiers and soldiers come and they realize that vishwamitra has come so with great courtesy and respect and reverence they lead vishwamitra and his retinue along with the two princes to a place that has been demarcated for them to be occupied by them on their arrival to mithila and you know swami very beautifully describes the scene when this whole uh, group enters the city of mithila because they're obviously preparing for that yagna which has attracted these sages from all over the place so suddenly they see this huge group of uh, ashramites walking in and in their midst is rama and lakshmana they really standing out so everybody is wondering and you know there's one discourse which swami gave in the year 96 samakos where swami describes that scene and again swami reiterates that point over and over again how rama tried to remain as human as possible in appearance hmm. and uh, there is a very interesting episode which swami says here i don't think it's there in any other ramayana it's huh? just a very small uh, incident maybe we should listen to that in swami's own voice we got the clip here we'll just play that out and sure listen to what swami says there మిథిలాపురములు ఈ రామలక్ష్మణులైనటువంటి వారు ఈ రెండు సింహం పిల్లల వలె సంచరిస్తూ ఉంటే మిథిలాపురం పట్టణ వాళ్ళందరూ కూడా ఆశ్చర్యపడుతున్నారు రేపటి దినం మన యొక్క సీతాధనస్సును ఉంచడానికి వచ్చారా ఆడవారు లోపల చెప్పనక్కర్లేదు ఇంకా Among women you cannot estimate their joy. Sheetanu vivahamaade nimittamai vacharu ani kontamandi. Some thought that they came to marry. Sheetaku taginatundi vaadu itanu pilla vaadu ani kontamandi. Some thought that the right vidhanga kadalnu penchukuntu penchukuntu pothunnaru. They started imagining that way. Kaani ee pillalaki iddu iddariki emi telinattuga natistunnaru. But these two were pretending as if they don't know anything. Ikkada saamanya manavuni yokka sancharam ee vidhanga untadi. How should be the our moment? 
విశ్వామిత్రుడు జనికులకు చెప్పాడు విశ్వామిత్రుడు దశరథ మహారాజు కుమారుడు ఏంటి రామలక్ష్మణుడు కూడా నా వెంట వచ్చారు అని ద సన్ ఆఫ్ దశరథ రామలక్ష్మణ్ ఆర్ విత్ మీ వారికి ఒక విడుదలిచ్చాడు They gave them some royal family ki vasna 21 gaurav maryadanta kudanu akkad andistu vachadu they were given all royal courtesies and hospitality naradu kudanu akkad praveshinchadu narada also was there tanulo tanu anukuntunnadu he thought within himself narayana ee naatiki nee darshanam ee roopanga darshinchindanu narayana i could see him dhanyudanu anukunnadu i am really great and fortunate కాని రాములు అక్కడ ఒక చక్కని నాటకం ఆడుతూ వచ్చాడు రూము లోపల పండుకున్నాడు ఒక కాలును కాలు పైన వేసుకున్నాడు నడిచి నడిచి వచ్చి నొప్పి కలిగినట్టుగా ఆ కాలును తాను ఒత్తుకుంటూ ఉన్నాడు తక్షణమే లోపలికి వెళ్లి ఈ పాదసేవ నేను చేస్తున్నా అని అనుకుంటున్నాడు ఈ నారదుడు భగవంతుడు తన పాదసేవ తానే చేసుకుంటున్నాడా గాడ్ ఈస్ భగవంతుడా నిన్ను కనుగొనటం ఎవరి తరము ఓ గాడ్ హూ కెన్ నో యూ నిన్ను గనుగొన్న కలమా కెన్ వై నో యూ అణువు కంటే అతి సూక్ష్మరూపుడవు గణము కంటే అతి గణనీయుడవు యుర్ స్మాలర్ దెన్ దట్ ఆఫ్ అన్ ఆటమ్ అండ్ బిగ్గెస్ట్ ది బిగ్ ఎనిమిది నాలుగు లక్ష జీవముల అని ఎమ్మున నెడబాయకుందువట అణువురేణు తృణ కాష్టము వదలు అఖండరు పుడవై వెలయుదువట నేను గనుగొన్న గల్లమా యుర్ ఆల్వేస్ ఇన్ ఎయిటీ ఫోర్ లాక్స్ స్పీషీస్ అతి సూక్ష్మరూపుడ్లర్ గణము కంటే అతి గణనీయుడవు బిగ్గెస్ట్ ది బిగ్ ఎనిమిది నాలుగు లక్ష జీవముల అనుకుంటూ మెత్తగా తలుపులు తెరిచాడు ఓపెన్ ద డోర్ రాముడు లేచాడు స్వామి స్వామి నడిచి వచ్చి అలసటగా ఉంటుండాదా అని ప్రశ్నించాడు నాకు అలసట అనేటువంటిది ఒకటి ఉన్నదా ఈ దేహము మీ నిమిత్తమై వచ్చినదే కానీ నా నిమిత్తమై వచ్చినటువంటిది కాదు కనుకనే మానవ శరీరం చేతనే మానవుని యొక్క బాధను నివారణ గావించాలి ఈనాడు మానవుడే సర్వధర్మములు కూడా నువ్వు తప్పినటువంటి వాడు పసిపక్షి మృగాదులు కూడా నువ్వు తమ తమ కర్తవ్యంను తాను నిర్వర్తిస్తూ ఉన్నాయి అనిమల్స్ అండ్ బర్డ్స్ ఫాలో దేర్ ఓన్ తమ సీజన్ తమ రీజన్ కూడా నువ్వు సక్రమంగా అనుసరిస్తున్నాయి ఈనాటి మానవునికి నో రీజన్ నో సీజన్ only man today has no reason manavatvam anedi dharmanne vismaristu vachadu yes forgotten is very code of conduct ane manavulaku bodhinchi nimittamai daivam manusha roopena raavachu vachindi to teach the entire humanity god has taken human form kanukane ee manavakaramnu aadharanga cheskoni manavulvalle sancharinchatam cheta idi samanyamaina manavulagade bramistuntaru chaala mandi adnanulu many people ignorant people are deluded because god has taken human form that's that clip and the beauty with swami narrating anything is so many dimensions to that and so many uh, you know nitigrities in that that's what makes even the ramakathara swami so special because you know so many details in which swami gives us so many options to take diversions 
you know prem you picked up this clip so i had not heard this before right. so as i was listening to the clip i was uh, getting a few thoughts and you know i thought this is what i should speak about you know after this wow this is amazing this is amazing and now when i see i have noted down almost five six things mm-hmm. which are <laughs> really so amazing in the clip the first thing is i felt so thrilled prem because you see you have the printout right in front of you right. what we have written and nowhere was the discussion about the physical prowess of sages of your because how much they walked so beautiful that i felt this was swami's way of acknowledging it because i had no idea what's coming in the clip but in the clip it comes that rama is pressing his feet right. after a long walk i felt so thrilled and i'm grateful to swami who is here listening to the satsang and guiding it that was one thing the other thing that struck me was you know rama is pressing his own feet and when narada comes to rama rama says to narada that this body has come only for serving you at that time it struck me that even at times when it appeared like we were serving the lord that was also the lord actually serving us you know by fulfilling possibly the aspirations and desires which people have nourished over a lifetime personally i remember sitting in trai brindavan and seeing swami place his feet on the lap of the student sitting right in the front and you know swami was using the calves of the student as a press board for moving the jhula and as swami was doing this the student has put his hands holding swami's calves and he is massaging swami's feet i also remember swami telling the boy that you know you should press harder you should do and at the end of it swami apologizes saying that you know i i made you work very hard but that boy's expression was like swami come on you must be kidding what work hard this is the greatest bliss this is the greatest pleasure this is the most wonderful opportunity that i have got so you see even in taking service from others swami is actually giving and conferring so when i had seen this you know i had got this desire that oh god swami how i wish i get this chance years passed you know though i got opportunities to touch swami's feet i never got this opportunity where i can hold swami's or legs directly and you know massage them right it was during the delhi trip the last day of the trip in 2010 the next day we were all supposed to fly back to puttaparthi having dinner that night swami suddenly started saying you know these legs of mine i am constantly confined to this wheelchair so how much my legs ache you know i remembered that when rama was telling uh, narada oh narada do you think that i will have any kind of pain you know who i am do you think i will have any pain that same swami was now saying that i am having so much pain in my leg it is only to give an opportunity because after that he said how nice it will be right if somebody can press my feet and i had finished my dinner so i just got up from my chair and i said swami i will swami said you wash your hands first because i had not yet washed my hands so i rushed wash my hands and that was the day that i got the opportunity that i had longed for and sought for many years back and for many years and then i realized you know at the end of it if somebody told me that actually swami also took seva from you swami took service from you i would say no way swami had no need for it it's just that i needed it when i am serving swami i am serving swami because i need it not because swami needs it because swami is selflessness from the top of his hair to the tip of his toe and anything that he does even when he takes service it is only to give no wonder that swami you know in his discourse says that this hand stretches out only to give 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 on the face of it when we have not understood we may think that this is true for most of the time but sometimes swami accepts once we go deeper we realize that even in swami's acceptance he has given us so much because it is in order to give us that great joy that he accepted no this very same thing which swami is saying that this body has come for you i'm reminded i think in the year uh, 2002 if i'm not wrong mm-hmm. during that guru purnima i think you also would remember swami had 
developed mumps you know one side of his cheek some his cheek started swelling and you know it was red in color it was huge it was hard the right side in fact uh, swami even permitted some of the students to feel it it was like rock it had become so hard and swami was saying that he was not able to eat and swami was uh, also you know contemplating on the guru punima discourse which he had to give because swami was finding it very difficult even to talk so this was uh, shared by some of those brothers who were you know conversing with swami and uh, we had prayed to them to go and tell swami that we all are praying that swami should cure himself so they went and told swami this was the very same thing which swami said swami said this body does not belong to me this body has come for your sake so this body is yours so if you want anything for this body you have to work for it you have to pray for it and that was the message swami sent word and of course we did a lot of bhajans and uh, puja after that hoping and praying that swami would listen to our prayers but this was something which swami would always remind us that you know this body has come for you and it is your duty to take care of it and uh, in that sense swami allowed that body to wither and allowed that body to have pain and even during the shivratri and all that mm. at the back of your mind right in the back of your mind you have to know that he is beyond pain but he was doing something so that you could express that sensitivity which is so necessary even for a spiritual person you know even if you're you're looking to go beyond the body you have to start with goodness empathy sympathy and sensitivity you know he was inspiring those qualities in each one of us and another thing i said remember once we were uh, talking to some of these hospital boys mm-hmm. these boys from uh, the whitefield hospital during the setting up of the whitefield hospital some used to call these boys very regularly and talk to them and all that and i think that was the time when swami was beginning to slow down in his walking mm-hmm. swami was still walking but he used to take a lot of time to cover that distance during the darshan and all that so one day swami was sitting in the throne and uh, one of these boys started saying that swami you are not taking good care of your body why is it that swami is you know struggling to walk swami should take more rest and all that swami said you think swami is weak he said swami is appearing weak at least you know swami is struggling to walk and swami said i am much more stronger than any one of you in fact i am more strong than all of you put together swami said mm-hmm. he said swami all that is fine we know that swami is god but swami is not walking properly swami should take more care of his body then swami threw a challenge you know swami is sitting on his throne and all these boys you can imagine all are well built and uh, these are all boys who are in their mid 20s or early 30s swami said okay you think you are strong swami put out both his hands sitting on the the throne swami said lift me if you can let's see if you can lift me out of this chair and no exaggeration these boys said they immediately rose up two boys one on either side of swami's arm they you know kind of encircled swami's arm they put their arm between uh, swami's arm and his body in both sides that's the best grip you can get mm-hmm. to lift a person so two boys holding swami's arm like that two boys holding swami's feet like that okay and two others holding swami's hip they just could not lift swami out of the chair one inch oh, oh. and swami said mm, try 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 and they tried and no at least for a couple of minutes to four minutes five minutes they tried they just could not lift swami one inch out of the chair i had personally witnessed something like this prem this happened i think in 2000 Three mm-hmm. during possibly Ram Navmi. I don't know because Ram Navmi, Vishu, all these would come together in the month of April, right. and Swami would be in Vrindavan. So it could be Ram Navmi too. Mm-hmm. And it, if it is Ram Navmi, it's a beautiful coincidence where we are speaking of Rama. And you know, Swami, he used to take help while walking. Okay. And uh, in that discourse, Swami mentioned how the magnetic attraction of the Earth is holding his feet right. down, and he has to put tremendous energy to lift each foot up. Aishkanti Shakti. Yeah, almost yeah. every other discourse Swami used to mention that. And then Swami, after the discourse, he just turned towards B. N. Arsimurthy sir, who was the translator, 
and he said you want to try you want to know how it is try moving my foot he told and you know this is the swami who has had an injury who has had a accident or whatever in the sense a hip is broken so he's weak so he's standing with support that swami as he's standing i saw narsimurthy sir go clench below his calf at his ankle i'm remembering perfectly well at swami's left ankle he clenched with both his hands and sat and tugged with all his might you know i feel any one of our foot also would have moved but swami didn't budge an inch and swami i still remember narsimurthy sir narrating this uh-huh. and he would say i pride myself to be a sportsman you know i have been a sportsman all my life and i kind of have a pride of my own strength and i tell you i just couldn't move swami's foot it's right. just, one, just foot. one foot and the thing is while you can see the exertion when you can see sir's face turning red down below with that exertion i'm looking at swami's face and he's calm you know it was actually towards the end of a bhajan that he sings that this happened there is not even a little exertion it's not as if he's trying to plant his foot firmly down or nothing it's just so immovable uh, that is what i remembered when you spoke about the interview room episode to that, sum it up i think we can just say that it is not physical strength that moves the lord <laughs> if you want to move the lord you have to use your heart right i think that's the best way to put it <laughs> <laughs> so another thing you know it struck me when i was listening to this discourse clip that we played was how swami said that the women of mithila began to already discuss that <laughs> you know possibly these two have come one of them is going to get married to our sita that was actually not in the air at all you know they had not come to wed sita they had come as swami writes in the ramkatha rasavani to attend the yagna but uh, rumors were afloat and knowing what happened in the future it feels like as if these people had predictive abilities i'm reminded of you know this summer time would be the time for rumors in prashanthinlim as to first of all whether swami is going to brindavan or kodaikanal or before that is swami leaving puttaparthi and if he is leaving where is he going brindavan or kodaikanal or kodaikanal and then bangalore and the next thing is when which date would swami be leaving on one occasion somebody was narrating this to me i'm forgetting who it is but they said that when swami was asked swami when are you going to kodaikanal swami said go as the taxi drivers outside they know my plans better because i remember when you go out they will actually have confirmed plans they will even be telling some of the foreigners that madam you know want you book our taxi 18 swami is leaving to kodaikanal they seem to have the plan fixed while those sitting in the portico those who are walking around swami who are with swami they have no idea when swami is going to leave this is how you know rumors would spread and i was somehow correlating that with this of them speaking like you know you're talking about the taxi drivers i think one of the old students were telling swami had come and said that you know swami is going to brindavan tomorrow it seems oh, <laughs> imagine swami saying that it seems swami is going to brindavan tomorrow that ladies block people are telling <laughs> you know there used to be that permanent uh, elderly ladies used to sit in uh, swami would often say you know all the rumors start from there <laughs> and so means that's what the ladies are and saying and the variety in the rumors would be such that inevitably one of them will come true and then that is where that particular origin of the rumor gets credibility and authenticity like hey you know what this person says means it must be credible all sorts of things so anyway getting back to the story rama and lakshmana they were housed in a very special palace in the middle of a garden for the night stay at the end of a tiring journey and they had a very good night's rest in fact as we told his name you know satananda satananda who is the son of ahalya he welcomes sage vishwamitra and the retinue personally he has been assigned to do this task and he says that king janaka sends word that he will be meeting them in the morning when they are refreshed he would not like to come and trouble them now they might be tired though he is very eager he is bursting to listen to so many things from vishwamitra but he will allow them to take rest now so that they can be fresh for the morning and that is how the night passes 
peacefully the next morning janaka is there early in the morning itself to have darshan of vishwamitra that is the word swami uses in the ramkatha savaini he has come to have darshan because darshan is the sight of a advanced and noble being and that is what janaka sees in vishwamitra so when he comes for the darshan vishwamitra is happy and vishwamitra asks the king what is the plan for the day what have you planned janaka says you know it's almost like how what we would say in swami's presence janaka says nothing o lord nothing vishwamitra nothing o sage what greater thing can there be than to just be in your presence nothing else is planned i am just here all for you today it is again another beautiful message that you know even for the ruler of the land god and spirituality must be the supreme means nothing else should supersede god and spirituality that is how it was for janaka and so vishwamitra tells janaka that you know i must tell you the amazing tale of valor of these two princes rama and lakshmana and swami writes that as vishwamitra recounted the heroic deeds of rama and lakshmana janaka went into a samadhi he went into bliss and that you know we can correlate with swami saying happiness is union with god and union with god does not mean only physical proximity as long as we are immersed in thoughts of the lord we are happy and that is the union with god we should strive to attain as long as possible for as much of time possible in our lives the way janaka attained samadhi just listening to the tales of rama and lakshmana and very beautifully swami describes that whole event how it happens here is vishwamitra describing about the exploits of rama and lakshmana and uh, you know in a sense that uh, he is getting lost and he is looking at rama and lakshmana he is not able to take his eyes of them swami describes like in the middle janaka tries to speak something else you know to distract himself because it's weird you're sitting across strangers and you're not able to take your eyes, eyes off them staring at them you know, <laughs> glaring at them and so he he tries to start some of the conversation but still you know every now and then he's not able to resist his eyes turns to rama and lakshmana and and i think that is when even the sage satananda comes to realize that his mother has been resurrected by has been redeemed by rama, rama. and he is filled with great joy he is filled with great joy and that is the time vishwamitra also says that you know i have got some more good news for you your parents will be coming here to attend the yagna so not only can you rejoice at the fact that your mother has been uh, resurrected by rama you can also rejoice that you will be having your parents darshan tomorrow and so there is just joy joy and happiness all around and when we read through the ramkatha rasavahini that is a message that comes through in every chapter where swami is trying to say that wherever there is rama wherever there is the name of rama there is bound to be joy because happiness is union with god i think on this note it's a perfect time to listen to a bhajan or a song on the beauty and glory of rama and enjoy that
Dear listeners, we were just listening to the story of Rama, and in the story, Sage Vishwamitra was narrating about the terrific deeds done by the two princes to Emperor Janaka and the other members of his retinue. And as Janaka is listening to this, he is overwhelmed. He knows that Rama and Lakshmana are no ordinary beings, and therefore, though he has provided a magnificent and wonderful palace with all the facilities, and it was situated amidst lush gardens, it's so beautiful. He feels that it 
it is not enough because these are beings who deserve much much more they deserve the greatest and so he comes to rama and he says oh prince i hope oh rama i hope that uh, you are satisfied with the arrangements that i have made please let me know if there is anything lacking if there is anything that you need please forgive me for that it shall be immediately provided please let me know and when janaka is offering himself in all humility completely like this rama is almost like a display of even greater humility he says oh emperor i am a mere boy you know i'm just overwhelmed with whatever you have given i really have no other needs i did not expect anything like this it is so wonderful on your part to have done this i am overwhelmed i'm grateful for all the hospitality and you know rama makes janaka feel that you have provided me the greatest things the most wonderful things things which i never expected or which i never asked for so please don't speak like this it's like a battle of humility that goes on between emperor janaka and rama you know that's a beautiful thing again we are reiterating about swami's ramakatha no? there are lessons in every part of the narrative where swami is saying that this is how you have to invite a guest the part where swami says that they were accommodated according to their status in society that's mm. a very important thing swami would often say when you're planning for a program when you're planning for an event where you're inviting a lot of people how they should be seated there is a you know science behind that how you seat the people according to their you know speaking of status if you don't mind i'm going to butt in with one little episode sure, here sure. which professor gv narrated just mm-hmm. recently i heard him say that he was saying that once when he had gone to brindavan for darshan swami wanted to send a letter to the hospital or to somebody i think mostly the hospital okay. uh, some letter some regarding some clarifications so swami asked professor gv when are you going to parthi so swami i am leaving today morning by the car so i said yes you know i have got this letter that needs to be delivered so he said swami it will be my honor to carry that letter i'll take it so swami gave him the letter but he says within a few minutes he said no no you give it back you know today evening these hospital boys are coming from puttaparthi they will be going and i will send the letter along with them so professor gv told swami swami it is no problem it is no big deal really it will be a wonderful thing i will carry the letter for you swami it doesn't put me into any inconvenience at all it's a privilege in fact then swami says no 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 see you are not a postman you are the vice chancellor it was by mistake that i told like this you know see swami's humility and he says no so that maryada for the position that respect for the position swami said so you are not a postman you don't do this vice chancellor you are the vice chancellor i will give it to somebody else and finally gv sir did not carry the letter you know and after that he narrated two three more incidents where swami has given so much respect for that position because in the worldly sense that position demands it at a personal level you might be a devotee i might be the lord but in the professional level or in the organizational level this is the position and this is the maryada that has to be given to the position and i will give it i mean this is i think of course many many times swami has mentioned this i mean we have also spoken about that incident when swami wanted to take two research scholars and put them in the hospital you know swami wanted to send them to the us for a special training hmm. even on that occasion i think they had already joined the hostel they had not enrolled officially as research scholars and swami had decided to take them and uh, put them in this course in the us so even that time swami had informed these boys and told them that ask your parents if they are ready so after having got their parents obvious you know, permission. Uh, permission then swami turned to the vice chancellor and swami asked the vice chancellor can i take these two boys sp giri sir was there and he said swami what are you asking me they are your boys swami said yeah they are my boys but they are under you you're the vice chancellor and they are research scholars i cannot mm. take them out without asking your permission so you tell me as a vice chancellor do you permit me to take these boys for the job in the hospital mm. now every time swami retrains that protocol internally swami would say that you should have bhava dvaita internally you have the feeling that everybody is one mm. but when you functionally move about in society it's important to give people that importance which they deserve which they have rightfully earned through their you know actions in daily life 
And the other thing which you know comes here is when uh, Janaka goes and asks Rama that is there anything more I can do for you? Is there anything else? In fact, he says, would you like to do a little bit of sightseeing? Can I take you around? <laughs> you know, that's what uh, any host would do. Right. I'm reminded of another uh, one elderly devotee who was saying that when they used to travel with Swami, mm. you know, Swami would be very keenly noticing what are the things these people are asking for, especially in the dining table or something. And mm. I, I'm really not clear of what that episode was. But he was saying that once one of the people in Swami's group had asked the host for something which was not there in the menu or something like that. Mm. You know, maybe he was having tea and they asked for coffee or something like that. Mm. And uh, later Swami called that person aside and, you know, very, very sternly told him that this is not how a guest should behave. You know, the guest should be very, very careful of what he asks. Because if he asks for something that the host cannot provide or is not, you know, readily available, he might be putting that host into untold uh, inconvenience, which is very, very wrong. Embarrassment. Embarrassment, if he's not able to do it. So Swami said you should always be within that self-made enclosure where you are giving the pleasure of hosting you to that host and not mm. ask for unnecessary things. In fact, I remember, I think in one of the Kodai trips when Swami went, there would be a couple of other devotees' houses which Swami would visit as part of that Kodai trip. You know, I think one is the uh, house of Mr. Shinivasan. I think there was another devotee whom Swami used to visit. So, Swami had fixed one particular day to visit that devotee's house and Swami called that devotee and said, tomorrow boys are coming for lunch, curd rice, sambar rice, one sweet. Swami mm. told him. Mm. He said, nothing more. Curd rice, sambar rice, one sweet. If you make anything more, Swami will be very upset. He said, yes Swami, yes Swami. Swami, just come, we will take care. And Swami repeated it at least three times. Swami said, curd rice, sambar rice, sweet. <laughs> okay. So when they landed up the next day, that curd rice, sambar rice, sweet was one of 13 other items. <laughs> mm. It was a huge spread and, and Swami said, what is this? What, why, why have you put like this? He said, obviously Swami, you are coming, how can I give only that much? Mm. You know, in a sense, Swami was so pleased with that disobedience, you could put it that way. But you know, that was the lesson which Swami is teaching, that when you are going to somebody's house, when you are being a guest for somebody, you should show humility and you should give that opportunity for that host to do more than what you are asking for. Beautiful, beautiful point indeed. Because you know, most of the time we hear of incidents and experiences where Swami is a perfect host. But Swami is also the perfect guest. Right. You know, when we had accompanied him to Hadshi, this is what happened, you know. Swami had even told that, you know, you will be served chapatis. You know, this is not South India. Don't expect your rice and rasam. <laughs> he had told so sweetly all these things. And there, they actually brought rice and rasam and served to Swami. And uh, there is this video of the Vijaya Bhojanam, a part mm-hmm. of which occurs even in the Sai Blossom product right, called right. A Shrine is Born. In that, this dinner session is videotaped and it is there. And there, Swami is saying, you know, I have been to so many places, mm-hmm. but this kind of treatment I have never received. I thought there will be some chapati. You made rasam rice. How? How did you? <laughs> you know, Swami seemed so amazed that somebody who is not from South India had learnt and had made rasam rice. While, you know, later on this time when I had been to Delhi before the Himalayan trip, I was speaking to the state president there, Mr. Chima mm-hmm. and Chima's wife. And she got the chance of cooking for Swami when Swami was, was in Delhi. Was in Delhi. So she was saying that, you know, months before Swami came itself, as a host, you know, it's like inspirational for both the host and the guest. As a host, you have to be 100% ready. And as a guest also, you have to be 100% sacrificing. That's what Swami teaches. So she had actually picked up. You know, she learned what all are the things that Swami has on a daily basis from Kanji. And she actually narrated saying that her own two little kids were her guinea pigs. <laughs> she would feel that, you know, an adult may out of courtesy say that it is good. 
but how do you test out kanji rasam and everything a kid is very spontaneous in his or her reaction and right. so if the kid says ah no then you know it's not come out well if the kid likes it you know swami is going to like it so she said that for almost a month she made guinea pigs out of her own children and she tried out everything so usually this is the kind of preparation that goes on and i think even at a physical level swami knows that they prepare and yet swami gives them joy by saying you know this is something i never expected you provided me with rasam how awesome you are <laughs> swami didn't use the word how awesome you are but they felt so awesome that they could delight swami and as you perfectly put it swami is such a perfect guest just like rama is that he gives you delight with whatever efforts that you have put in that was a beautiful uh, episode right and, and the beauty with swami is you no know, he effortlessly would go from that role of a guest to being a member of that family you know that is also we've seen so many times i think once when swami had taken all of us our entire class to a devotee's house it was so beautiful for us to see swami moving around that house into every room into every bedroom and with such familiarity mm. you know swami would go around and swami said hey where is this cupboard there was a cupboard here mm. you know and uh, <laughs> they said no swami we rearranged it as a computer table now and you know it was so beautiful because swami was with us as guest and swami was you know he was carrying himself so beautifully and as a perfect example for all of us you know swami was telling us how you have to behave but at the same time swami was part of that family and i remember there was a couple over there the husband would have been in his mid 50s maybe and swami uh, looked at them and swami started talking to them and suddenly swami turned to us swami said you know this boy and girl swami said swami performed the marriage oh he said swami okay. had performed the marriage and then swami turned to them and said 60th marriage bhi swami karega okay your shashti purti also swami will do and instantly the couple just broke down he said swami is so much love you know how do we respond to this love swami said what is there in this it is your right it is my responsibility you know who other than the head of the family would say something like this hmm. you know it was so beautiful to see swami effortlessly moving from being a guest a perfect and well behaved guest if you could put it that way to uh, somebody it, who was part of that family it reminds me of that board uh, like a note is that we often put in our homes it right. says bhagwan shri satyasai baba is the head of this family silent witness to every conversation to every conversation an unseen guest at every meal right wow it is so wonderful and if we can actually live with this feeling it will be so uplifting and so beautiful because we will be able to feel swami every moment in our lives so going back to the story when rama says that there is nothing that could have been possibly done more because more than necessary has been done that is when vishwamitra intervenes and he says he and tells you know, the very beautifully swami says there that when he asked do you want to do some sightseeing or something else huh. it seems no no we are very comfortable but there is one thing and it seems ramal stops there and looks at vishwamitra but there is okay. one thing of course you can do for us and looks at vishwamitra and uh, vishwamitra then says that you know being warriors they are valiant princes naturally weaponry is something that amazes them and thrills them and he tells janaka that in fact it is with lure. the lure <laughs> lure of the bow of lord shiva the shiva dhanush that is here that i have brought them to mithila it will be wonderful full if you can arrange for the two princes to have a look at the bow and now that the topic has been mentioned rama immediately asks king janaka oh king could you please tell us the story of this bow how did you happen to get it and that is when janaka narrates how beginning from his ancestor nimi later on i think uh, it is devaratha devaratha eventually uh, the sixth uh, he comes the sixth generation after nimi he is the one who has been gifted this bow as a result of his penances and this is a bow that is so powerful so strong that no body on the face of the earth is able to lift it let alone string it so that is how the bow comes to the family and it is being worshiped there at this point in time janaka also narrates the story of sita's birth right and uh, sita actually means the furrow and sita has been so named because 
it is while tilling the land or making a furrow in the land that a box is discovered in which sita is found a little baby sita and uh, since janaka finds this baby girl he decides to adopt her and she has been named as sita and as sita grows up playing among the other children in the palace playmates. with her playmates one of the favorite games is to play with the ball and one day as they are all playing with the ball the ball rolls under the big box in which this shivadhanush has been placed so because the story is linked with shivadhanush janaka is narrating it to rama and here you can see the way the master plan works though there is no plans about rama's wedding with sita all this is brought in via divine master plan rama has just apparently asked a harmless question about you know how this bow happened to come and janaka cannot resist narrating this because he has witnessed something amazing and miraculous it can be compared to what the inmates of the ashram witnessed when ahalya came to life it was something like that because as sita is playing with the playmates the ball rolls under this box and the box is huge in fact swami describes it as a box with eight wheels which had to be tugged by hundreds of men to move it right. because that was the weight of the bow when they are struggling to get this ball out the little sita this girl just walks pushes the box and uh, pushes it to an extent so that the ball is exposed picks the ball and goes off and this janaka sees and he is just astounded he is unable to imagine the strength and power of sita you know and that is when he decides that marriage is between equals and so somebody who is having the power and strength to move and lift this bow alone should get married to my sita that is the decision that janaka has taken now two three very important points here one thing is we know later in the ramayana that ravana kidnaps sita now imagine later on because sita grows into such a beautiful maiden everybody is attracted towards her and everybody wants to have her as a wife so every kingdom every prince every yaksha every kinnara every gandharva every rakshasa tries to come and lift the bow and among them is also ravana ravana who is supposed to be so mighty that he has lifted the kailas itself even ravana is unable to move the bow right now just imagine ravana is unable to move the bow which sita as a baby as a child as a little girl just moved the box so definitely sita is so much more powerful than ravana and yet the same sita is kidnapped and apparently a helpless prisoner in ravana's lanka that's what unfolds later on i personally felt that this has a very deep meaning because often times swami has spoken about sita as prakriti sita as nature mother nature you know mother nature is very sweet by nature mother nature is very benign very giving very generous but don't allow that to fool you mother nature is very 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 powerful in fact her power and her strength is just next to god that is something we should not forget seeing how sweet charming and benign she is that is the mistake ravana made and ultimately that resulted in his doom and in modern times that is a mistake that we should not make abuse nature thinking that after all she is benign and ever giving because if nature decides to unleash her power and fury nobody will be able to face it you know in in a sense uh, of course the beauty of the thing is you know sita is strong enough to move that bow and ravana himself in fact we'll play out one clip where swami speaks about how ravana comes and gets humiliated hmm. trying to lift that bow you know in a sense going into the deeper meaning or the inner meaning or the subtle meaning of this whole episode swami would say that the dhanush actually stood for ego hmm. you know anybody who is able to lift it is a person who has conquered his ego that is the essence of that episode of lifting the okay. the shiva dhanush 
And Swami would say that Sita represented that self-knowledge. Mm. She was a person who actually stood for self-knowledge. So Swami would say for self-knowledge to play around with, with ego is very simple. That's why like she went and picked up the ball, she pushed the box in which the bow was contained. But if you see, Swami says that Ravana stood for desire. And Swami would say desire has the power to steal away self-knowledge from you. Mm. And that is what Swami would say that you know Ravana came and abducted Sita. The idea of Rama abducting Sita is when you have a desire, the desire has the ability to remove self-knowledge from you, from your mind. Mm. And that is the whole journey where, you know, you go after self-knowledge by you kill the desire and you try to take take back the self-knowledge. But, you know, that is the beauty of Ramayana when we're going through it. There are layers and layers of meaning. You know, we can talk about how a guest should be, how a host should be, you know, talking of the same episode and we can go into something which is so much more subtle, which might need years and years of, you know, contemplation to even understand it. You know, coming back to the story where, where Janaka was explaining this, how Sita came to him and how he decided that he would give Sita in marriage only to somebody who is able to lift and string this bow. Mm. And uh, Janaka then explains how he threw this challenge open to any king and many of the kings came and tried and they all thought that this was a ploy to humiliate them because Janaka knowing well that this is not possible for anybody, he's just calling kings to humiliate them. And mm. then Janaka explains that how all of them teamed up together and tried to lay siege on Mithila. You know, when you say that only one without ego will be able to lift the bow, the reaction of the various kings to this itself shows how egoistic all were. Right. And therefore it's natural they couldn't lift the bow and it's natural that they feel like taking revenge and they lay siege on Mithila. Right. And then Janaka explains that how they had repeated wars against Janaka and in the process Janaka loses all his resources in the arms front. They're depleted. Hmm. And then Janaka says that he goes and meditates and does austerities. And uh, in just one sentence Swami explains a very beautiful incident which happens in a very simple manner because Janaka says that you know these people were attacking, the armies were attacking and finally the gods were pleased and decided to come to the help of Janaka and he said the gods sent him army which attacked these armies from the behind. Hmm. You know it's not an army which appeared in the Mithila city and went and fought. He said these armies came behind those armies which were attacking. Which had besieged Mithila. And scattered them and that's how the city was saved and he could still preserve this bow. Bow. And uh, the bow is being worshipped on a daily basis and uh, because it, it is symbolic of so many things as we said when Vishwamitra expresses like this that it would be a great thing for Rama and Lakshmana if they can look at the bow Dasharatha says definitely we shall take the bow out of its place in the altar and I imagine that the altar for the bow must be an entire building in itself because (laughs) the bow was so huge and it was in a box with eight wheels and anyway that the bow is now being removed Janaka says that you know I shall again throw open the same condition saying that um, now that the bow will be on display it's going to be worshipped publicly anybody who will be able to handle this bow will be welcome to wed Sita and this is for the first time that the wedding of Sita comes into picture. Till now it was only a yagna and when the bow is making its way to the yagna shala, that is when King Janaka announces that it will also be like a a competition or it will be a time when we will decide who is the perfect suitor for Sita. Right. And so the next day, as promised, Janaka gets the bow and the bow is brought into the Yagnashala. Right. And, uh, you know, Arvind, we can go on telling the story. But when I just heard that part where Swami describes how Rama goes up and breaks that bow, uh-huh. I just couldn't believe that we could do a better description of that scene than Swami. Okay. So I just got that clip. Maybe we should play it out and listen in Swami's voice how Swami beautifully describes the grandeur and the dignity with which Rama walks up to that bow and he defeats it in the midst of all those other kings who had tried and who had failed. Sure. 
చూచాడు విశ్వామిత్రుడు విశ్వామిత్ర సా రామా రామా దీన్ని నీవు విరుచగలవా క్యాన్ యూ బ్రేక్ దిస్ నవ్వినాడు పాపం రామా స్మైల్ ఇంత చిన్నదానిని ఈ చిన్న పనికి నాకు అప్పచెప్తున్నాడే ఈజ్ గివింగ్ ది స్మాల్ డ్యూటీ టు మీ ఈ చివ చిన్న ధనుస్సు a small dance edami chethito tuntavachunu i can break it with the left hand idi nee tunchagalava ani cheppu nannu prashnistunnadu vishwamitrudu vishwamitra is questioning ye maya anukunnadu i'm just following sari emi kadalledu idin mo andaru balashalulu andaru vacharu all strong people came aa sabalopala ravanasuru kuda vacharu ravanasuru also was present in that court itane vacharu tana bala parakramanta kudunu akada pradarshinchitu vacharu he started exhibiting all his muscle power కట్టె కడపటికి దాని కింద పడిపోయి కదలు లేకుండా పోయాడు అల్టిమేట్లీ ఫెల్ డౌన్ ఈ అవమానాన్ని భరించుకోలేకపోయాడు రావణుడు రావణ కుడ్ నాట్ బేర్ ద షేమ్ దే అహంకార అభిమాన అసూయలు ఉండేటువంటి వారికి ఎక్కడపోయినా కానీ అవమానం అనేటువంటిది తప్పినది కాదు ద వన్ విత్ ఈగో అండ్ జెలస్ ఇన్ హేట్రెడ్ ఇస్ బౌండ్ టు ఫేస్ రావణకి ఇక్కడ కూడా పరాభవం తప్పలేదు అండ్ రావణ ఆల్సో ఇస్ పుట్ టు షేమ్ హియర్ ఈ అసూయకరించినటువంటి రావణ్కి ఎక్కడపోయినా ఈ యొక్క పరిబాధ తప్పలేదు రావణ ఫుల్ ఆఫ్ జెలసీ అందరూ పక్కులు నవ్వారు ఎవరిబడి లాస్ట్ కానీ అతనికి అవమానం ఎంత అవమానం ఒక తూరు తీసినట్టుగా అయిపోయింది ఈ సమయం లోపల పద్నాలుగు సంవత్సరంలో యొక్క వయసు కలిగినటువంటి ఈ రాములు నెమ్మదిగా నడుచుకుంటూ వచ్చాడు రామా స్టార్టెడ్ మూవింగ్ సభలో ఉండినటువంటి ప్రజలందరూ కూడా ఈ పిల్లవాడేమిటి ఈ ధనుస్సును వెంచడం ఏమిటి అని హాస్యాస్పదంగా మాట్లాడుతూ వచ్చారు ఇది ఆశ్చర్యం కేవలము ఒక అవమానకరమైనటువంటి రీతిగా సంచరిస్తున్నాడు ఈ పిల్లవాడెవరో దిస్ బాయ్ ఇస్ మూవింగ్ అబౌట్ ఇచ్చినటువంటి వారెవరు ఎవరికి తగినట్టు వారు మాట్లాడుతూ ఉన్నారు రాములు వచ్చాడు నిలిచాడు అంతా సభనంతా ఒక్క తూరి పరికశించాడు ఎడమ చేతితో దాన్ని ఎత్తాడు ఓ ఇంకా ఈ ఎడమ చేతితో రాములు ఎత్తేటప్పటికీ ప్రజలంతా కూడా ప్రతిధ్వనులతో మిన్నుమిట్టినాయి దానిని తిరిగి నారి కట్టాలి and it the thread has to be tied danni vanchi nari kattali and it has to be bent edam chethone vanchinadu and he bent vanchi tappiki virigi poyindi ee yokka shivadhanasu as he started bending that bow it broke aa shabdamu maha pralayanga roopandindi that is the sound of a thunder ye atom bomb ye hydrogen bomb veste shabdam ettostundo aa vidhanga vachesindi shabdam it was the sound of an atom bomb or a hydrogen bomb ee dushyanni chuchar andaru kuda nu everybody watches the scene ఆ యొక్క అయోధ్య పరివాసులంతా కూడా లేరక్కడ ఇంత కూడాను ప్రతి ఒక్కరు కూడాను స్త్రీలందరూ కూడా ఆశ్చర్యపడిపోతున్నారు మిథిలాపుర స్త్రీలందరూ కూడా మా సీతమ్మకు తగినటువంటి వారు చిక్కాడరా అనుకున్నారు చేరిన స్త్రీలందరూ కూడా రాముడిని వర్ణించేటువంటి వారే అండ్ దేర్ విమెన్ స్టార్ట్ డిస్క్రైబింగ్ రామా అట్టి వర్ణిస్తూ ఉండిన సమయం లోపల డిస్క్రైబింగ్ హెమ్ ఇంకా వివాహం సిద్ధం చేశారు ఆల్ ప్రిపరేషన్ ఫర్ ద వెడ్డింగ్ వాస్ మేడ్ విశ్వామిత్రుడు వచ్చి రాముల్ని అడిగాడు విశ్వామిత్ర నీవు తయారుగా ఉన్నావా ఆర్ యూ రెడీ నా ఏమిటి ఇది స్వామి వాట్ ఇస్ దిస్ స్వామి పితృరాజ్ఞ పేరు పరిపాలించేటువంటిది నా సహజ ధర్మము ఇట్స్ మై నాచురల్ క్వాలిటీ టు ఒబే ద కమాండ్ ఆఫ్ మై ఫాదర్ తండ్రి ఆజ్ఞ లేకుండా నేను అసీతను కూడా చూడను వితౌట్ ఫాదర్స్ పర్మిషన్ ఐ డోంట్ లుక్ ఎట్ ది ఫేస్ ఆఫ్ తండ్రి తల్లిదండ్రులకు దీన్ని వార్తను పంపించండి 
send the message to my parents vaar ishtam pai na ishtam aadhar padi untunnadannaru basing on their permission i would follow poni nishtarthamaina chesukochunu maalaina veinchukondi annaru as a at least engagement can be done at least garland నేను ఎప్పుడు ఎంగేజ్ లోనే ఉంటున్నాను నాకు ఈ ఎంగేజ్మెంట్ ఎక్కర్లేదు వివాహం కాక పూర్వము పరస్తీని చూట మహాపాపం అనేటువంటి సత్యం నాకు తెలుసు అన్నాడు ఐ నో దూత్ బేసిక్ అంతవరకు నేను చూడనేరుగా ఇంటికి వెళ్లాడు తల్లి గదికి జనక మహారాజు చేయవలసిన ప్రయత్నాలంతా చేస్తున్నారు Janaka was making all preparations. You know, Prem, hearing this discourse clip, again, once again, so many thoughts come because this Swami has this uncanny ability, you know. He'll be speaking something in the middle, simply he'll insert one super powerful, profound statement and just go on casually as if like it was nothing. And in just one clipping, you get four or five things and you don't know where to go. Because I've not heard these clips before as such. Hearing over here and seeing the preparation paper, it's so different. But one thing, you know, that struck me is something very, very practical. This is something that even I have personal interest in because it is a question that has been asked to me two, three times during some talks that have been delivered. Okay. You know, people ask, is Swami against love marriage? Does it have to be always arranged marriage? And then, you know, they quote some arranged marriages which have gone wrong, which have ended up in divorces. At the same time, it's not as if love marriage has no negatives. There have been many disappointing results in that also. So, what does Swami say about love marriage, arranged marriage? Personally, I have not heard anything Swami directly say about this. But, you know, hearing Swami speak about Rama, it is very clear what Swami expects. You know, in the ultimate sense, till you are married, you don't even cast such eyes towards any other woman and i think that holds good for a woman not to cast eyes on any other man in such manner till you are married which almost seems like arranged marriage is the only way out i remember a talk that professor anil kumar sir gave mm-hmm. based on a kodai trip during which swami spoke extensively about the ramayana so in that talk he was mentioning about this this aspect anil kumar sir did not again explicitly state about arranged marriage or love marriage as such he just said this much that swami expects that any marriage that happens happens with the blessings and consent of the parents hearing that and you know i even read about professor anil kumar sir saying that swami said this in one of the sessions in kodaikanal i felt that that could be a good guiding thumb rule you know some of us are very strongly against arranged marriages some of us are strongly against love marriages so instead of getting rigid on this i think the spirit is that any marriage that happens happens with the blessings of both the parents by both i mean the bride's parents and the groom's parents because it is very evident that a marriage is not just between two individuals but it is between two families it is between two lineages as we shall see that is what happens during rama's wedding the entire lineage is called upon it is not just two individuals so anil kumar sir was saying in his talk that swami definitely expects that the parents of the bride and the parents of the groom are happy just as the bride and groom are happy and then alone should the marriage be allowed to proceed so that i think is a very nice thumb rule if we can call it so a guiding principle if we can call it so whether it's an arranged marriage or love marriage you know in my opinion i feel in a love marriage the attraction comes first the marriage comes later in a arranged marriage the marriage comes first the attraction comes later so overall there is love in both the kinds of marriages but that's my personal opinion but as far as swami's directive is concerned i think it is very clear whatever be the type the parents consent the parents being happy with it is of great importance and that is something that we have to adhere to 
point very true and the way you said it it's very important you know to see marriage as a, a union of two families because many times that is what is missed out mm. you know the reason why the arranged marriage tradition still holds good in india is because in a sense most of us still see it like that you know you are inviting a person into the family you are sending a person into another family so it is very important for the two families to know each other and you know to have that idea that yes we are comfortable with each other it's not that it is my life and i know what i'm going to do with it and i am responsible for what happens it is not that way at all it is each one saying that you know i cannot look at my future without acknowledging my past i cannot go into my future if i cannot give respect to the people who have brought me so far that's a very important point which swami was making and uh, now that this topic has come up prem i'm just uh, tempted to make a few more observations you know one more thing that india is often criticized for is saying this caste based marriages marriages based on uh, it's only between kshatriya and kshatriya brahmin and brahmin see again it is seen in a wrong light the reason this was done is you know for example if i look at my own my own marriage so pooja's parents that is my wife's parents mother is from a part in karnataka my parents are also from karnataka it's just that while they are from the coastal karnataka region we are from the uh, bangalore region the uh, the capital city right. so the kind of kannada differs the kind of foods cooked also differ you know it takes some time for my wife to develop a taste to the kind of dishes that is cooked at our home and it takes me some time to develop a taste for the kinds of dishes that are cooked at their home i'm taking a very simple example now imagine two people from the same state same linguistic background still having such differences now imagine how much the differences will be if they are so far off you might have troubles absolutely not being able to taste or enjoy the other's food so this is only in terms of food in all other things you know there are some kind of similarities which actually bind us and in order to make it easier for the two families to bind together they would suggest that look out for similar traditional families it's just like similar minded people you know two people who are passionate about social uplift it's good that they get married rather than one who is all about social uplift one who is towards pursuing a career i'm just giving ambitious, a random right. example it will be a clash so just like like minded individuals decide to get married like from uh, like cultural like background. cultural backgrounds should be the families into and that was the reason why they said that you know we pick up a girl or a boy from this kind of family alone it is not some kind of a rigid caste system it is just to ensure that this mixing becomes more homogeneous and more comfortable rather than uh, why to try mix two things which don't seem to mix gel together it would be easier if it can be done along similar backgrounds right and you know that is the characteristic of rama swami is bringing out in this thing where he says you know he is not even interested to look at the girl i mean he's won the princess <laughs> in that sense you would uh, look at it as fairy tales you won the princess but he says that i didn't do it for that you know i, I was just interested in this bow as it is and uh, anything further i will not even discuss it unless my father comes here and he's informed about the whole thing because and he says that you know it is their decision i am their responsible and the decision is theirs it is mine to just obey and that is why king janaka immediately sends messengers and people to invite the kingdom of ayodhya to the kingdom of mithila they are sent to convey this glad news this wonderful news of rama's feet to the king dasharatha and they set out to do the informing and you know the way swami describes the meeting between dasharatha and these messengers is also so beautiful right you know we have spoken about how vishwamitra described the family from which rama and lakshmana come and so now is a situation where janaka is sending out emissaries to dasharatha to invite him and you know to discuss this proposal so he selects very 
carefully some people who are who are going to go and represent him to Dashratha. And Swami explains it takes about three days, three or four days driving on some fast chariots. They reach there. And uh, this emissary goes in front of Dashratha and he explains that he represents King Janaka and uh, he's here for such and such a reason. And he explains what has happened in uh, the court of Mithila. You know, Swami explains when Dashratha is looking at this emissary and the way he is carrying himself, he says that he must be representing a king who is of a very, very refined you know, lineage. Dashratha deduces this simply based on, based the, on attitude the attitude and the Right, the way this, way this emissary is carrying himself. Mm. So immediately, even Dashratha becomes very, very, uh, you know, warm and treats this person very well because he knows that he is representing a king who's who's almost equal to his stature. No, that's a very important thing. Again, a very subtle lesson which is put in an episode in this Ramayana where Swami is saying that when you represent somebody, how you should carry yourself. You should carry yourself exactly like the way the person you are representing carries himself or herself. And so this emissary of Janaka is as polite as humble and as glorious and majestic as Emperor Janaka himself. That is why Dasharatha even on just seeing and interacting with him for a few moments knows that this is Janaka's man. It really inspires us. If we want to call ourselves as Sai devotees and people of Sai, we should actually reflect what Sai is. And when people speak with us or when they interact with us, they should get at least a part of the joy and thrill and awe that they would get when they interact with Swami himself. Because then alone will we be true messengers of Swami, true emissaries of Swami. You know, one day I think Swami was talking to some students and Swami was telling that if you want to call yourself Swami students, if you want to call yourself as belonging to Swami, how you should behave. And it seems Swami was narrating that in old Vrindavan, you know, boys used to stay in Vrindavan ashram. They were Swami students but they used to study in the university in Bangalore. You know, you have to travel to the city every day and they would come back to the hostel. So Swami was saying that when these boys travel in the bus, it seems those conductors would recognize these boys by their behavior. Mm -hmm. Swami said, these are Swami students, you know, because uh, the conductor would, you know, with the number of days that these fellows had traveled in that bus, he had said that, you know, these boys will get up if an elderly person comes. These people will offer their seat if they see there's somebody who is, you know, not able to stand. And this is what Swami would tell that, see, this is how it should be, that when people see you, when the people see the way you behave, they should know that you belong to Swami. And, you know, when we say that we are Sai devotees, we all pride ourselves in saying that we are Sai devotees, but, you know, how are we carrying that name? You know, beautifully, Professor Kasturi used to say, that you know we all are becoming Chatterjees we need to become Bannerjees you know where you carry the banner of Swami on you rather than go around talking about Swami like what we are doing right now I think well on that thought dear listeners I think the time in our studios is 1.58 so we will leave you with this thought not only leave you we are leaving ourselves also with this thought on how we should actually live what Swami has taught us rather than just speak about what Swami has taught us how we should lead our lives in such a manner so that anybody who is coming into our ambit gets to feel Swami's presence to an extent and gets to enjoy that bliss that they would enjoy when they are in Swami's presence if not completely at least partially that should be our endeavor with this we bring this Ramkata Rasavahini to a close we will be carrying on with the Ramkata Rasavahini we will come to one of the most joyous and most Swami described episode if we can call it so that way that is Rama Sita Kalyanam it is such a magnificent and beautiful episode and it has so many inner meanings we will dilate on all that when we meet for the Ramkatha Rasavahini so dear listener we leave you with a song a song in Swami's own voice Swami singing about his own avatar of Rama Jai Sai Ram Rama 
You just heard an episode of our radio program Afternoon Satsang. This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12:30 p.m. Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion was on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 21st August 2014. Dear listeners, we hope you like this program. As always, send us your feedback to listener at radiosai.org. 
Thank you and loving Sai Ram from Prashant Nilayam.